Welcome to Uniquely Small Biz, a podcast where small business owners share their unique stories to inspire our listeners. Welcome back to Uniquely Small Biz by Selective Insurance, a podcast for small business owners to share their inspiring stories. I'm Carolyn McCardle, and we're looking forward to bringing you another wonderful conversation with small business owners who are as unique as their ventures. Today, I'm excited to welcome U.S. Army veteran business owner and leader of the Think Melissa team, a full-service real estate consulting group in the Atlanta area, Melissa Crudwig. Melissa, or as she is also known, the bear of real estate, has decades of experience in the industry, and she and her team have won countless awards and accolades for their success. But what really makes Melissa and her business so unique is her commitment to community service, and in particular, the veterans community. So sit back and get ready for another thoughtful episode of Uniquely Small Bits, brought to you by Selective Insurance. So, Melissa, I have to know, you sort of position yourself as the bear of real estate. So what does that mean? Yeah, it just means that we're really aggressive and like mama bears. So there's a team of us and there's about four of us and we just treat our clients like their family. And we just are very aggressive and how we take care of them and how we negotiate for them. Where did the branding initiate? One of the things about real estate is a lot of things, actually, a lot of businesses, people don't remember your name unless something goes wrong. So we really aim to please all of our clients because we want those referrals. We want them to come back for business. And we base our business off integrity. So we've built a, a great book of business that way. But unfortunately, we do a lot of business with a lot of people. Life happens, children, careers. So a lot of us, to include myself, struggle remembering names. And so I had been thinking about it and praying on it. And before I even had my first client, and it came to me and I wrote it down along with, you know, my mantra about don't settle for the bare minimum, go with the bare real estate. We like to help people avoid bear traps. I mean, the whole thing came in the middle of the night. It was fantastic. And since then, I've kept pen and paper by my bed. And that's kind of cool. Some of the greatest rock and roll artists, this is how they wrote their biggest songs. They literally have a pad of paper and a pen by their beds and they would wake up in the middle of the night and this vision would come or this song lyric and they would write it down. So it's very similar to that. Yeah, it was very cool because I certainly can't take credit for it. Yeah, no, that's great. And I know that you are a proud veteran of the U.S. military. First of all, thank you for your service. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It was a long time ago. Yes, I would do it again if they would take me. Tell me how your experience in the military, how does that translate to your business now? Oh, it made a world of difference. Everything that I learned at the military college that I attended, everything that I learned in the military, the lessons, the hard lessons, the easy lessons, all of it. And the biggest one being grit. Like a lot of businesses and different industries, you have to be used to you know being told no. And grit, problem solving, leadership, all those things I picked up and learned from the military school I attended and from my time in the service. And so it has really resonated and helped me build my business because that's what we do for our clients. Buying and selling homes and commercial properties, which is what we do, that sounds simple on paper, but that's not the hard part. The hard part is the negotiations, the troubleshooting, the problem solving. So I draw from my military time quite a bit. And then also strategic planning. So there's being a real estate agent and then there's being a business owner and the two are separate. So I learned how to 
plan at the strategic level in the military, and that has helped a lot in propelling my business and helping me with my team. And I have a great group of women that I work with, and they're fantastic, and we make it happen every day as a team because it's certainly a team effort. Yeah. And you're so in the business of customer service. And I think when it comes to real estate, especially, you genuinely have to care about your clients. I mean, you're putting them in a home for what could be the rest of their lives. So if I'm looking for a home, I want an agent that I feel like I can trust that has a great background that I really feel like they're going to be in it for me and they want the best for me. Absolutely. And unfortunately, in our industry, there are people that work for that dollar. We all have to make a living. You know, that's what we do with our careers. But with real estate, you are handling people's, whether it's commercial or residential, you're, you know, you're handling their money or their portfolio. And that's a big deal. And so integrity is so key. And they need to know that we're working for them, that we're going to get them the best deal, not only financially, but legally, and that we're not working just for solely for our commission, but we're working for them and their family or for their business. And it's a lot of money, too. It's not like they're walking in buying a pack of gum. This is a major, major, probably the biggest investment they'll ever make for most of us. When it comes to the title or the certification as a military relocation specialist, talk to me about what that means. Yes. Angie, who's my business partner, and I are both certified. And so that just gives us some additional training to help them when they're relocating, whether they're leaving our area or coming in, helping them sell or buy and just to make us aware of all the tricks of the trade. As a veteran and my husband as well, we've used our own VA loans, so we're very familiar with that. But there's a lot of things and different nuances that deal with our veteran buyers and sellers. And so she and I took the training years ago, and it just, you know, helps us provide them the best protection legally and give them the best experience, for sure. Absolutely. And on that, do you market directly to veterans I do, and we have a military discount. So anybody that has served and honorably discharged or anybody that's currently serving, we have a military discount because as a nation, I don't think we do enough for them. And so it's my way of blessing it back to them. Yeah, paying it forward a little bit. I love that. When it comes to you finding team members to work with, to work with you on your team, when you're talking values, how's that process work for you? Well, that's a great question because I was not nailing it at the beginning. So I was me, myself, and I, a power team of one, not really. So as my business grew, I needed to expand my team. And I had an excellent virtual assistant, and she dove into photography, and she's still my photographer. She's fantastic. Used to be a real estate agent, just on point, provides just the most quality photos of our commercial residential properties. And then I started expanding from there. And my closing coordinator, her name is Kim. She's fantastic. She's been with me for almost 13 years now. And I just like, again, like I learned in the military, you don't surround yourself by people that are just like you or they're going to say yes to you every request. You want people that are going to challenge you and make the business grow for, you know, for the better. And that's exactly what Kim does. My office manager, she's probably the newest one. She's been with us for five years. That's Jessie. She's fantastic. And we love her to death and her work ethic and her integrity as well. And then the hardest one was my business partner. And that's where she helps me with our buyers. So we work together with sellers and buyers, both commercial and residential. And that was the hardest part. I did work with a lot of other prior to her, some really great ones. And then some that, that were not so great, that didn't meet my value and core lines. So we had to regroup from there. 
And then some of them I worked with and they were fantastic, but it was time for them to launch and build their own businesses. So that happens in this industry as well. Then there's nothing wrong with that. That comes with time. But I'm thrilled because Angie and I come, I think it's this December, maybe November, it will be 10 years. So uh, it took me a while to figure it all out. And what she is talented at, I couldn't do if she paid me. So she's just, yeah, she's amazing. Hey, everybody has their strengths. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. She brings so much to the table that I don't even don't even have in my rear pocket by any means. So we've done a great job in making sure that we come with what I'm not great at, she's got, and vice versa, helping each other out, playing good cop and bad cop to get our clients the best deal that they deserve. Yeah, it's like filling each other's voids. I also think that when you have people that leave the team and they go out and they start their own branch or they they do whatever, it's a compliment to you if they're staying within the industry. It means you did something very right to motivate them to keep going. Yeah, I've never really thought about it that way, but I love those people. I still love those agents that I worked with and they're fantastic and their businesses are doing great and I love working with them. That's great. And you guys are very successful. Like, what do you do? What's the secret sauce? How do you stay number one? How do you stay the best at what you do? Well, that seems like a simple answer, which is going to sound silly, but just doing what we say we're going to do, delivering on what we promise. And we give our word and that's what's going to happen. Getting them to the finish line. We treat them like family, like I talked about earlier. Every piece of advice that I give is as if I was selling my own house or selling one of my family members' funds. Again, because we're not focused on the dollar or moving something quickly, whether it's buying or on the selling side, we want them to be happy, not think back in three to five years that they made the wrong investment, whether it was the house or the commercial property. And we want them to come back and refer their family and friends or children. I mean, that's probably one of the biggest compliments we've had as clients that I've had for a long time or Angie's had for a long time. And they refer their grown children. We want people to feel that confident in our team. So again, it sounds so basic, but we deliver on what we say that we're going to do. That's huge. And it is the greatest compliment when someone comes to you and says, I'm here because of so-and-so. They spoke so highly of what you did for them that... They're sort of saying, like, you can trust this person or this organization, go do business with them. And that's the best. It is. And that's what keeps us, both my business partner and I, we call it survive the crash, you know, of 2007, 2008. And baby, again, to shift gears, but deliver on your word. I mean, that's all we have is our word. Yeah. You're not going to get that repeat business if you go back on your word or you steer them in the wrong direction. It's almost like you get one chance in what you do. Absolutely. A hundred percent. When it comes to sort of measuring yourself against other realtors, how do you guys distinguish yourselves or differentiate yourselves from other real estate offices? Is it everything you just said? Yeah, exactly. Because at the beginning of my career, I was basing it off of other realtors, my same level, if you will, and how their growth pattern looked. And then I stopped doing that. Then I started measuring it upon me when I was an individual. And then as we became a teen, we monitor that weekly, monthly, and quarterly, and annually based off of how we're performing. So we have goals that we want to make, and we no longer define our success based off of anybody else. We define it on the success of our client's transaction. So if they're happy, if they send us referrals, that's how we base our success. Now, there are teams that are more successful than us when you look at it in regards to production and numbers, and then we're ahead of other people as well. 
but we are just looking to do the best that we can for our clients and meet our own internal goals that we have for transactions. We're trying to better ourselves every year, which we do with certifications. We have so many certifications, just like a lot of you know, teachers have to do. We have a lot of things that are not required by our industry, but that we do so that we can provide that best customer service and transaction for all of our clients. When you are talking about putting the customer first, of course, and acting in the best interest of your clients while still maximizing the success of your agency, like how do you balance all of that? You're trying to succeed professionally and certainly financially, but you want to put your clients first, of course, and make sure that they're happy. So how do you how do you do that? Well, like right now in certain places I can speak to here in the metro Atlanta area, but the market has slowed down. Lack of amateur is a you know, nationwide problem. So a lot of us as realtors are suffering agents that are not as busy as they were a year or two years ago. I think the first thing is after surviving the crash, it taught myself and Angie a lot of lessons. And one of the most powerful lessons is just not as a business owner, but savings. So I save for a rainy day. I enjoy the time when it's down, you know, the downtime, if you will, because we work so hard for our clients that when we get a little break, I enjoy the peace, you know, the little extra time because we do work so hard and put them first. But the way to do that is by saving money and by working hard. And so we have money saved for when things are slower like they are generally across the nation. And so that makes sure that we are never going to lose focus of the customer, of our clients, and so that our integrity is never tested. And so I pride myself on that. And there's been times where they have gotten paid and I have not. And that's nothing to get excited about. It's just the way it should be. It's the priority. And by doing so, we make sure our clients get the same level of integrity and customer service that they deserve, even in a market that's, you know, a little challenging right now, because, you know, it takes longer to find the right home for a buyer, but that's what we're going to do. And there's been times when buyers have had to put things on hold and we let them know, hey, we're here for you when you're ready. Some of those folks don't come back for two to three years. And we're not like the average salesperson knocking on their door every week. Hey, you ready? You ready? We are literally just provide them resources and help people to buy and sell when they're ready. And we will give them information. And sometimes when we meet with them, we call them consultation appointments. We'll tell them, hey, this isn't the right time for you. It's not the right time to sell your home. You need to wait and sell people. You can avoid this tax penalty or you need to save more money or you need to make more equity so that you don't lose out. That is our job because the big man upstairs is watching and we could put our head down on our pillows easily every night. Yeah, that is so honest of you. And it's all about integrity. It goes back to that whole conversation we had about integrity. And I was thinking as you were saying that, imagine walking onto a pick any car dealership onto their lot. They're not going to say that to you. They're not going to say, we can't take your money right now because you're not ready for this. So the fact that you do that, and that's why they come back to you in those two to three years. Yeah, and I hope so, because a top priority for all of us, and I mean so much. I've been doing this for 17 years. Angie's been doing it much longer than me. I think about people that handled our real estate transactions before I was in this business, and I think I would never want anyone to be treated like that, because again, it's a large sum of money, whether it's residential or commercial, and you're playing with someone's financial livelihood, and that's not to be taken lightly. It's huge. I don't want to gloss over the fact that your employees have been with you through the pandemic. They've been with you so long, and 
And so how did that go for you guys in this industry, in the real estate industry, but then drilling it down to to you and your company and your agency? How did that go? Yeah. I mean, during the pandemic, we actually didn't slow down. That was probably our fastest time. Actually didn't start slowing down here for our team until probably about October of last year, October 2022. So during the pandemic, it was like the wheels came off the bus. It was even faster. So we did have to make some changes, of course. We had to get more creative on how to keep everyone safe, but also keep the wheels turning because people were still buying and selling here in the Metro Atlanta area. Was that because I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area? And for us, it was that people were moving out of the big city of San Francisco and they were moving to the suburbs. They could get a bigger place for less money. Was that the same for you in the Atlanta area? During COVID or during the pandemic, we had people moving. But in the Metro Atlanta area, we have people moving in and out all the time throughout the year, whether people are moving for work reasons, they're retiring, whatever the case may be. So that's why when people want to be busy in this industry, if they are working their sphere, if they are working on what we call our pipeline and just servicing folks, it can be done. But here, we did have a lot of people moving into the Metro Atlanta area from other states, but it's just the general grind of what happens. It's so interesting how different it is on the other side of the United States. You know, it's completely just different markets. They operate so differently. So when we're talking your market specifically, tell me some of the unique aspects of the Atlanta area in your market right now. Well, I don't know if there's anything unique in the sense that besides the fact that we're a big melting pot, right? And people just come and go all the time. We help so many people downsize, upsize. We don't have a certain demographic, if you will. You know, we help everybody. My most recent client, I think he was 80, 81 to first time home buyers in their 20s, which is fantastic. I didn't buy my first house until I was in my early 30s. So it always impresses me to see young people that are just buying houses and are so much more financially equipped than I was at their age. Yes. And saving. It was like you were talking about earlier, saving. Yes. Oh, I early. I had no idea. I wasn't saving at that age. It's so impressive. And we tell them all the time. So I would say maybe someone else might say there's something unique about Atlanta, but I just think the biggest thing is that, again, we're such a huge melting pot. We have so many people coming and going. We're in the top 10 every year of places to be in the metro Atlanta area. And we have everything for me. You could be right there in the city and have everything that you want in the city, but, you know, leave the city and be right there in the North Georgia mountains where I went to college, go south and be in Florida in five hours. You can jet set up to the East Coast. In Atlanta, being such a hub, you can pop on a plane and be anywhere. We love it here. And it's a great opportunity for everybody because if you don't want to be in the city, you can be in the suburbs and have your family life. But if you want to be right there in the city where everything's happening, you could do that too. And it's such a great place. And because our, you know, our city is smaller than, let's say, New York City or San Francisco, it's easier to live in a suburb and get to work. You still have some travel time, but it's not as extreme as some of the other places can be. I was going to say it's not as big of a bear, but I don't want to. It's too early for puns. <laughs> but that's OK. I'm used to them. <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, my gosh, I'm sure. I shouldn't have even told you. You've got a page on your website that's totally dedicated to community outreach. Obviously, that's a big deal for you. So speak a little bit on that and your relationship with your community. Yeah, like we were talking about earlier, I don't think enough is done for our active duty or for people that lead the service, for those people that raise their hand and do that for all of us, which I think is fantastic. So after leaving, when I was deployed, I deployed twice with the air defense artillery to the Middle East. 
And one of the coolest things that ever happened to me was getting a package, not just one, but getting care packages from complete strangers, handwritten notes from school children. It was just very cool to know that somewhere on the other side of the world was thinking about us being deployed and doing what we were doing. Very cool. So after we got here and I started having kids, I was like, I want to start giving back. And so it just started with me and my family. And we started sending care packages to people that we knew, my husband and I, that we knew that were doing. And then it grew from there. And then my team started doing it. And then we started sharing with the community. And our community has responded so well. It's amazing. We'll send some to a whole platoon or a whole company. And then we'll send some to folks that are on a ship somewhere deployed. It's just a really cool thing to see all these complete strangers getting together and we pray over the packages and it's nothing, you know, the package itself, it's nothing to like shake a stick at, but it's goodies from home and snack mix and toothbrushes and toothpaste and stuff that they just can't get that easily. Handwritten notes from everything from elementary to high school age students, from churches, from Boy Scouts to Girl Scouts. It is very cool. And we've had a local baker make cookies for them that go in there. And it's just a little love from home that they get from a complete stranger. And there's, you know, nothing against my family back in the day. It was really cool that they sent me stuff and people still do that for their deployed family members and friends. But when you get some love from somebody back in the United States that you don't even know, it just brightens your heart more than you can even imagine. And it really helps employment and We've been doing that now, I don't know, 10 or 11 years, and it's just so fantastic. And it's important that people know that we do have folks that are still deployed in Iraq. You know, yes, our troops came back from Afghanistan recently, but there's still people in Iraq. And now we have people in Poland in support of Ukraine. So it's important to give back to those people that are deployed and let them know, send us some sunshine and love back here from the United States. I think it's such a good reminder, too, that you don't have to know these men and women that are serving and hearing it from you who has been on the other side and who has been on the receiving end of those packages, it's nice to hear you say how much it means. And I hope that even if we motivate one person from this podcast and from hearing you talk about it, that they give back in that way. That's really nice. Yeah, I would love nothing more than other groups just to do it. They can contact me and I could tell them how to find people because that can be a little challenging if you're not, you know, I don't want anyone to be frustrated if you don't know someone that's deployed yourselves. There's resources that you can reach out to and find out how you can do something similar in your own community. And if it's not even at the same scale as what we do, you can just send handwritten notes and they can get to them. And it's just really fantastic. Our closing coordinator, Kim, her nephew's deployed right now. So we always know somebody. And if we don't know someone that's actually gone downrange, as we call it, we find units and we talk to them and find out who they do know. And there's a way to do it. It just takes a little bit of time and effort, but it's certainly something to do. And then families back here, we love supporting them too, because I was in the service for eight years. But at the end of my career, when I got out, I became a spouse of a military officer, which is my husband. And I will tell you, after doing both, serving behind being the family member, was far harder than being the serviceman. Why is that? I think because, one, for me anyways, lack of control. You're not in control of that situation. Not that you're in control when you're a service member deployed to wherever either, but you're the one left behind doing the work, if you will. They have a different mission when they're deployed or whatnot, but when you're behind, they you know you still have to carry on and, and get it done. And so they're the ones that are left waiting and hoping and praying for their family. And I think that's a big deal. 
and they are sacrificing right along with that service member that's deployed. So I definitely think that that's harder. And so we like to do things for those family members here too. We have movie events and family community events with, again, with the community behind us, because we couldn't do it with our just team of four or five of us. It would be a small dent. But there are people all throughout the Metro Atlanta area, not just our organization, that collect toys every year, similar to Toys for Tots. But we collect toys for the local National Guard families. And it's just fantastic. And they have a great program. So those family members that maybe someone's deployed, maybe someone's lost their, you know, because they have another job besides the National Guard. Maybe they need some help financially at that time. They can sign up. There's an application process. They go through it. And then there's just all these incredible organizations across the Metro Atlanta area that are collecting toys and gift cards for the older children. And they go and they get to, those parents get to go and give their children the Christmas that they deserve. That's awesome. I could see why at the end of the day, you go to bed at night and you sleep well. It's been wonderful speaking to you today. Melissa, thank you for spending 30 minutes with us. It's so nice to talk to you. And thank you for all you do for the community. Oh, it's my pleasure. And thanks for having me. Joining me now to talk all about the importance of supporting the veteran-owned businesses in our communities and across the country, and some of the solutions available to former service members turned entrepreneurs, is Small Business Territory Manager at Selective Insurance, Cherie Wright. Cherie, welcome to the show. I want to start with this question. You know, Melissa positions herself as the bear of real estate. How important is distinctive branding for a small business to distinguish itself in a competitive industry like real estate? Unless you have a highly unique product or just pure luck, then branding is key in any business. Making a brand for yourself and your product allows people to find familiarity, and that brings consumers comfort. When customers feel you're a reliable brand, they're more willing to work with you or your trademark. In real estate, branding's tough. I think there's something like one and a half million realtors in the United States. It seems that everyone knows a realtor and wants you to use theirs, including me. Since real estate is highly personal for residential consumers, because your customer is placing a great deal of your savings into this asset, you want to feel that your realtor is ethical and working for you. Without word of mouth in real estate, you have to find creative ways to stand out from the rest and create a deeply rooted brand. It can't be easy, but it's possible. Trust is so important, isn't it? It is. Everything you just told me, just in that first question alone, it sounds like like the core of this is it's got to be about trust. Absolutely. Trust is everything in business. So that being said, Cherie, what are some ways that small business owners can recruit and identify team members that align with their values and their vision and their goals as well? Recruiting team members is all about networking. Using online platforms is an option, but typically friends, friends of friends, and tapping into your personal and working networks is the way to go. You know your business inside and out, and you know what type of person you want working within your business, but you also have to be open. Bringing team members in with different viewpoints and experiences makes your team stronger. It makes it better. Your team can fill in knowledge or skill gaps that you may not have. Be humble, be open, and know that placing the right person in the right role can really allow them to thrive. And it's all about values, right? So like Melissa talks about the importance of putting the customer first and putting her business success second, which is huge. The customer first, her business success second. How important is it for a small business to find this balance? In a free market, values are everything. That doesn't always mean that a company has aligned values with their customers. It means that the company has a good or service of the customer's value. Supply and demand constantly change the landscape for small businesses. It's tough for a small business to compete in America, 
there's always a larger business that has the capital to do it faster, better, cheaper. Small businesses have to find their target customer that values what they're offering. And that could be a designer service, an artisan product, but sometimes they just like you better. Small businesses need to have a focused strategy. Their business plan should lay out who they're going to be and what they're going to be to their customers. So when it comes to insurance and insurance agents, how can an independent insurance agent support a small business owner like Melissa? Independent insurance agents can make a world of difference for small businesses. As a commercial insurance expert, an agent takes the sometimes complicated world of insurance off of a small business owner. With the assistance of an insurance carrier such as Selective, an independent agent can provide you risk management solutions to reduce risk of losses at your business. And they can help consult on safety measures to keep you from having a claim. This isn't limited to slip and fall type risks. Insurance can help protect a small business in areas that you never even thought of. Cyber liability is a hot topic right now with so much technology use. Small businesses are also highly susceptible to crime losses, which can be detrimental to a small business. And social engineering is on the rise. That's where someone in your business is manipulated into giving away monies or confidential information. These are all modern loss exposures that your independent agent can help you navigate through and decide if insurance, avoidance, or loss prevention is the best route to handle these exposures. Yeah, it's so scary. You really have to have the right insurance agent for this. You know, Melissa is focusing on the Atlanta area specifically. So tell me some of the nuanced or the unique aspects of that market right now in particular for small businesses. Yeah, Carolyn, that's a great question. I think all of our larger cities in America are trying to find their identity post-pandemic, including the fluctuations we've had in the market. We've had social shifts that we're trying to navigate. We have a much higher percentage of remote workers. This leaves a lot of Class A office space vacant. For small businesses, they may have lost surrounding anchor stores that used to bring in foot traffic. Lunch places that used to rely on office workers may have shut down. A lot of our customers are no longer in their actual offices when we go to visit on any given day. We also have to look at inflation. With the cost of living going up, salaries have also gone up. This can be a burden on small businesses that have to pay employees more and also increase the price of their goods. Factors that all affect their customers they've worked so hard to gain. Melissa's team seems to be dedicated hardcore to community outreach, which is awesome, and particularly to veterans and to active members of the U.S. military. So how can these businesses that are so dedicated to those markets find ways to support their communities? Yeah, I love that. So you'd be surprised how many people in your organization have a personal story or an organization that's near and dear to them. Ask around, see if anyone's directly involved with the community outreach program and what your small business can do to help. For example, Selective offers one volunteer day off a year, and they're constantly sending out opportunities to work with the local animal shelters or Wake the Forest Foundation in Apex, North Carolina. Whatever your interest is, encourage your small business to get involved and look to the local community. There's likely a program that your business can volunteer with. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Uniquely Small Biz with U.S. Army veteran business owner and leader of the Think Melissa team, Melissa Crudwig, and Selective Cherie Wright. For more information on the great work being done by the Think Melissa team, check out their website at thinkmelissa.com. And if you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, be sure to subscribe and tune in next month for more inspiring stories from real small business owners. Thank you.